prior to my experience, obviously with Bombas, I think like most entrepreneurs, I was blindly focused on trying to make as much money as possible. And I thought that that was everything. This business in a weird way showed me that the true gift in life and the true purpose in life is to give back. From WeFirst, welcome to Lead with We, the podcast where top business leaders and founders reveal how they built their companies to be high impact and high growth by putting We First. I'm your host, Simon Mannering, founder and CEO of We First. Lead with We is produced by Goal 17 Media, storytellers for the common good. Welcome to this week's episode of Lead with We, where I'm talking with Dave Heath, the co-founder and CEO of Bombas, who share with us how you actually, through your business, take on a systemic issue like homelessness and how the simple act of giving someone a pair of socks can absolutely transform their life. David, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. David, you know, I've known about Bombas for many years, but we haven't had the chance to meet Tell me a little bit about Bombas and how the company was started. Yeah, so Bombas is a direct-to-consumer apparel brand um, that's focused on delivering comfort. The business was started when I came across a quote back in 2011 that said that socks are the number one most requested clothing item at homeless shelters. You know, but I didn't immediately feel inspired, you know, to create a business. I started carrying socks around with me in my backpack going to and from work in New York City, where, you know, you every single day you interact, you know, with the homeless community. And so I started giving out socks and seeing quite the reaction from the people who are experiencing homelessness and saying things like, how did you know this is exactly what I needed? Or, you know, I need this more than, you know, a couple bucks or uh, a sandwich. You know, I saw one guy take his shoes off and on one foot, he had wrapped a bandana around his foot, and on the other, he'd literally wrapped his foot into a, in a plastic bag, you know, just to stop the the boot from rubbing against his feet. And when your whole mode of transportation is walking everywhere, you know, foot health and hygiene becomes incredibly important. And so this is 2011. You know, I know you'd mentioned to me before we we started this that you had done work with Tom's, and so. Tom's was in their fifth year of business. And for those that don't know Tom's, they donate a pair of shoes for every pair of shoes they sell. And then this small little eyewear company had just started at the same time called Warby Parker, which is now obviously a huge company. And they had adapted the Tom's model for eyewear. And so then I was like, well, maybe if this company is donating shoes and this company is donating glasses, maybe I could create a company where we donate socks. You're talking about the give back, the contribution, the service you're making being the growth driver for the company. And you didn't set out to look to do a do-good company. You just saw a marketplace need and responded to that. I mean, how important was the reaction of those people that you described who were just so appreciative of the socks that you gave them? How did that affect you and how did that help you commit to actually building a business around it? You know, if I'm being truthfully honest, I think heading into the you know, endeavor and always thinking about starting a business prior to my experience, obviously with Bombas, I think like most entrepreneurs, I was blindly focused on trying to make as much money as possible. And I thought that that was everything. This business in a weird way showed me that the true gift in life and the true purpose in life is to give back. 
And this is the advice that I give to every single entrepreneur who wants to start an impact business or add an impact element to their business, which is you have to get close to it. You have to personally go and experience it in some form or fashion. You know, as I mentioned, living in New York City, the homeless population, you can't avoid it, right? It, you know, it's part of the fabric of the city. I remember this one guy who was in a car accident with his entire family, and he was the sole survivor, two kids and a wife, and they both died. And he became incredibly depressed as a result, as most people I think would. And then he became addicted to alcohol and then he had drugs. You know, it was a downward spiral from this cataclysmic moment that would derail, I think, even the strongest people in our lives. You know, and then you hear stories of partners who became uh, homeless because they were caregiving for a loved one because they didn't have the correct health insurance. So they stayed at home to take care of their wife or their husband. And then they lost their job as a result. And again, it kind of spirals out of the way. And so I have so many of these experiences that continue to be a large motivating driver for me. And so that's the advice I give back. And one of the reasons that actually on your first day of employment at Bombas, you're given 10 pairs of donation socks and you're required within your first two weeks of work to hand one pair out individually to homeless people that you might encounter either in your neighborhood or to and from work to start to give them those personalized experiences as well right at the beginning of their work so they can start to feel motivated and personally connected to the mission as well. It's so powerful what you're saying. How did you go from just idea or concept to actually starting to execute? Did people suddenly materialize who wanted to help you and funding just fell out of the sky or was it hard? How did you get there? Yeah, it was hard. You know, I had this idea back in 2011 and then I started to put my business cap on and I said, okay, if the outcome of our thesis is to donate a lot of socks, that means we need to sell a lot of socks. And if we're going to sell a lot of socks, we need to create something that in my opinion, was like our, our goal was create the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. And so I went out and started to do kind of business school level research. And I looked at all the products that were on the marketplace and I tried to understand what separated a dollar pair of socks from a $36 pair of socks. And so I saw this huge gap in the marketplace between your kind of low cost, low quality, bulk mass market consumer products, you know, buy a 12 pack of Hanes socks in a bag for, you know, 10 bucks at Costco. And then there was this whole subset of category of product that was highly focused and endemic focused on, you know, very niche categories like running and cycling and hiking and basketball. And, you know, I started to look at these high performance category and I started to pull out you know, features and benefits that I'd never actually seen before, like a seamless toe or arch support or a cushioned footbed or ventilation over the, the toes or, you know, stay put cuffs and, you know, all of the high quality fabrics that wick moisture and regulate temperature. And I started to wear those products just to see what separated an expensive sock from a cheaper of socks. I found that, that these features and benefits just translated into a much more comfortable pair of socks to even wear casually, you know, throughout the day. But so you had a, fo you had a focus group of two, your two feet at the end of your legs. That's <laughs> low cost market research. If I've super, ever super low cost. But 
I started to experience that, wow, this is a, this, this make my feet feel better, but they were designed and they looked like athletic socks, you know, highly focused and technical. And so I said, well, I wear sneakers and jeans to work every day. I want something that looks more casual. So I kind of took all these features and benefits and I leveraged a design that I thought was much more approachable and like kind of a mix between modern and vintage. And, and yeah, I came up with what was originally the Bombas sock. How long did it take you to get traction? How long before you started to think this was a go? And what was those, those early signals that you got? Yeah, so from the moment that I came up with the idea, which again was February 2011, we didn't actually launch anything publicly facing about the brand or the idea until August of 2013. So the better part of almost two and a half years and I worked full time, right? Because I, I, right. you know, needed to support myself. And, you know, I put up the first $18,000 to kind of get the ball rolling and try to build out an MVP during the whole entire product development process. I was like, I want to focus on getting the product right. I want to get focused on getting the brand right, the story, you know, the mission. I got to understand how do we donate socks? Like I had to figure out all these logistics and you know, when you're a one person show in the early days, the only time you have to work on is from 6pm till midnight every, you know, every night. And then on the weekends, it takes time, you kind of just have to like grind it out. And I mean, it's great that you've had this momentum behind you from like the socks you were handing out in your backpack in New York City to 40 million socks in a year. It's incredible. But how did you get there, this distribution channels and the production and so on? Did you raise external capital? Did you bootstrap it all the way through? Like, how do you go from this really heart-led intent to going to scale? I, I think I benefited from the moment in time in which we started this company, right? Because there were a number of direct-to-consumer brands that had all come from before us. A lot of marketplaces, you know, things like Gilt and Fab.com and Birchbox and some of these other kind of really innovative, innovative concepts. Um you know, what I had seen is that a lot of these brands had raised tremendous amounts of capital and they all had these crazy valuations. And in, in a lot of cases, some of those, you know, companies, which I had just said, had already at that time, you know, flamed out. So fab.com obviously went bankrupt. Guilt Group sold for a fraction of what their latest valuation was. And so, again, putting kind of the business school hat on, I set out to say, you know what, A, before I raise a single dollar of capital, I want to go out and prove market validation. And I want to kind of bootstrap this thing as far as possible. So I launched an Indiegogo campaign. And within the first 24 hours, we'd done over $30,000 in sales. And then within the first 30 days of our campaign, we'd done $150,000 in sales. So we took a lot of that capital, placed our first production run, used some of the money to build a website. And then 30 days later, we launched our website in the beginning of October of 2013. And then my next hypothesis was, okay, once I get these products on everyone's feet, are they going to love it enough to come back? And are they going to love it enough to tell their friends about it without us having to raise money for marketing? And then we did another $300,000 in sales in the next coming months. And so by the end of the year, we had about 400000 in sales. And I said, wow, this is something. I at least feel like we're off to a good start. And then I went out and raised a million dollars of seed financing 
all from private investors. You know, I never, I, I didn't want any venture capital funding in the business because eventually I wanted to be focused on profitability, which in the venture world is like a bad word, you know, based on the way all these crazy companies have raised money. Because again, the venture firms want to mark up their books. And if they can give you more funding at a higher valuation, then that, you know, allows them to go raise more capital. But I'm not going to get and that's a, that. And that's a whole wormhole. But like, <laughs> you know, this is all incredibly valuable real world kind of experience you got. And and what was the silver bullet for you? Is it the fact that when you buy a pair of socks, another is given to someone in need, a homeless person? Or is it, you know, the comfort, you know, the superior sock that you built? Or was it both? And would you say, if you're going to lead an impact company, you need to throttle on both of them? We've always talked about this from day one. It's called like the two pillars of our company is a high quality product and a great mission. And I don't think one for us, at least in Bombas, could live without the other because obviously the mission is the DNA for why we started this company in the first place. But the driver for a lot of our success, you know, I tell all impact entrepreneurs that I don't believe personally that you can build a successful brand or, or company on just a mission alone, right? Because at that point, it starts to become charity. Because if the consumer is buying a product from you that they don't actually like, the likelihood of them coming back to buy more, unless they are so passionate about the mission, at which point maybe they would just donate money to that cause rather than get more bad product, you have to anchor, you know, like any good business, you have to have a good product. A lot of young social entrepreneurs want to build businesses that are going to give back. Yet that doesn't give you a pass on all the fundamentals of being an entrepreneur. You've got to take a quality or superior product to market. And only when you have that product can that give back be kind of something that takes people over the edge. Did you find that the give back was kind of an add-on and therefore it was kind of less important in the, in the equation than the SOC? Or did you find it was the driving force, like in the balance between the two? Yeah. You know, it's interesting whenever we, from day one, when we've surveyed our customers, the quality of the product and the give back mission were always number one and number two. And depending on what marketing messages we were either putting out in our acquisition channels or what we were talking about at any given time from a campaign perspective through our emails, we would see those two things shift. So when we're talking about our million pairs donated or our 10 million pairs donated or this year our 40 million pair donated, whenever we push campaigns like that, we see a large obvious response for people who were attracted to the company because of the mission and then were reinforced because of the great product. But if we also have a new product that we released, like we released our performance line last year and we did a lot of push around, you know, now Bombas is in performance we saw a lot of people coming back to basically say um, the reason that they bought was because of the product. And then it was reinforced because of the mission. I mean, this is one of the biggest questions we find in a lot of the work that we do. We get this question from entrepreneurs saying, okay, do we lead with our purpose in our marketing? Is it about the one for one model or is it about the give back and then point back to our product? Or do we lead with our product and then sort of underscore the fact that it was informed by this purpose? Mm. What, what, what would you suggest? Or is it different? emphasis at different times. Yeah, it's different emphasis at different times. I mean, I think, you know, when we look at our brand strategy and then our marketing strategy and then our creative strategy, we're trying to figure out what feels right at the moment. So I'll give you a really good example of this. When COVID first hit, right, 
as I'm sure like all of us, we're still on these email listservs. And in the first few weeks of COVID, we're all running around going, where am I going to get toilet paper? Is it safe to go outside? I can't find hand sanitizer. And yet companies are trying to you know, still act like things are normal. And you're getting emails about check out our new spring styles and things that are like get outside and stay active. And you're like, that is wildly tone deaf. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, what are they thinking? And so because we had our mission to fall back on and, you know, because we were kind of built for a moment like this, like we've got this team dedicated to our giving partners, right? They, they manage all 3,500 relationships that we have across the country. And we built out this distribution network to obviously get socks and other items that, that we produce out to these shelters. And so when the pandemic first hit, we had cleaning companies like Clean Cult and we had bed linen companies like Brook Linen reach out to us and say, hey, we know that cleaning supplies and bed linens are in high demand at homeless shelters, but we have no idea on how to get them to the right organizations. We stepped in and did that. And then instead of sending an email about, hey, check out our new spring styles, we were able to send an email to say, hey, here's how we're reacting when COVID first hit. What you're saying is, is really interesting. Your distribution channels from your impact work became this whole platform for other companies now trying to make a difference when it was needed most. Yeah. And then we were able to talk about it, which we saw some of the highest open rates and engagement from those emails, because again, they were cutting through the noise. They were something that felt fresh and relevant in a really, really crazy and uncertain time. It was night. I think people were, were happy to see that brands were out there doing good rather than asking them to buy product. And so that's a great moment where we shifted the, the, the balance of the conversation and focused almost entirely on giving and nothing on product. And again, I think we, we try to find this push and pull balance throughout the year, depending on what kind of culturally is relevant or seasonally what is relevant at that time. I want to ask you a question that um, I don't know it's ever been posed to you, but you're so deeply passionate about the homelessness problem that you've created a company around it and you're solving for one of the most personal and immediate needs they have, which is socks. Is there any sense in which you're not solving for the larger problem itself? Mm. Because homelessness persists and obviously there's so many factors that go into it that could it be argued that like giving people a pair of socks is like putting a Band-Aid on a much larger problem? And, and how do you solve for that larger problem? With our giving team, it does go beyond donating socks. So collectively last year, I think as a team, we donated over 10,000 hours of volunteer hours personally as an organization. So it does go beyond simply donating socks. But, you know, what I will say is there's also been a lot of opportunities or stories that we've heard where you know, and, and again, I would, you know, at the beginning, I was like, look, we're just trying to provide a little bit of comfort and a little bit of dignity in somebody's day. You know, we're not, you know, we're not curing cancer. We're not solving homelessness from a root problem. But we heard from one of our giving partners last year uh, based in North Carolina, and they said in the four years that we've given them socks, they were able to send two kids from their community to college. And then right. we hear stories like people showing up to homeless shelters because they hear that 
they're giving out really good socks. And, and they, a lot of times now they're asking for Bombas by name. And that interaction helped them start to get the help that they needed by the organization that was then providing it. And they have then since turned their life around. Um, That's such um just the idea that they would ask for your brand by name is a pretty powerful testament to what what you're doing. I mean, totally. And and this is actually when we started to talk about, okay, we donated a million, then 5 million, then 10 million. And now we're donating 50 million pairs of socks. Like, you know, the number is becoming so large. Obviously we're having a great impact, but now that we're a bigger organization, what can we do more so to have greater impact? And, you know, we had talked about, you know, getting involved in policy and opening up our own homeless shelters or, you know, starting to think through big, big ideas. And, you know, once I started to realize that actually the homeless community, our non-paying customers as we refer that to them, are starting to identify Bombas by name, I realized that actually what we're setting out to do is creating the first ever consumer brand for the homeless community. But I do see that if we ever get to a point where we are a multi-billion dollar brand like a Lululemon or a Nike or whatever, um, brands that we aspire to be like, and we're generating hundreds of millions of dollars every year, then I then hope at that point we will be able to have enough of a cash flow that we could start to support initiatives that go way beyond just the core initiatives that we do internally. So how do you grow? You mentioned you've got, you know, the focus was socks. You talked about high performance socks. Now, you know, there's basics and there's, you know, certain staples in terms of apparel. Mm. But, you know, as you look to the future on the, on the strength of the success you've had, how do you keep growing? How do you keep kind of scaling your impact by building the business? What's the vision as you look forward? Yeah. So again, it kind of comes back to the mission as well as what I think makes most sense from a market opportunity. So we're a socks brand. We started as a socks brand. Last year, we launched incredibly comfortable, soft Pima cotton t-shirts. We describe it as the first shirt that you want to wear out of the wash. Um, it's incredibly crisp and cool. It can be dressed up. It can be dressed down. You know, shortly coming, you know, we're going to be launching underwear, which I don't think is a huge surprise to a lot of people. And then we're going to stay super focused on sock season underwear, go super deep into those categories. Again, take a lesson out of our own playbook, which was we stayed on socks for six years, right? We built a multi-hundred million dollar business on socks alone. And I think because we were so laser focused, yeah, we went deep into new categories and new opportunities, but it made a lot of sense for us. I think if we came out with pillows and blankets and you know stuff like that, you know, we're a comfort brand. So could that make sense? Yes. But like, let's keep the story super narrowed. And Underwear is the second most requested clothing item in homeless shelters. T-shirts are the third most requested clothing. You, know, you look at things that are close to the body. So I think for the next five years, we've got a very, very clear you know, roadmap. But look, being rooted in comfort and being a brand that gives back to the homeless community and trying to make an impact in this world, I think our options for the long term are, are absolutely endless. I mean, you could see Bombas athletic wear. You could see Bombas casual wear. You, we, there's so many ways in which we could take this brand. But for the near term future, I think we're laser focused on being the number one comfort basic brand that you go to, replacing your whole top drawer. That's the that's the area we want to own in your house right now. And what would you say your secret sauce is? You know, sometimes companies that want to have an impact sometimes it's a charismatic founder sometimes it's a certain moment in time sometimes it's getting on oprah sometimes who knows you know <laughs> what what would you say is the sort of thing that has driven your success i mean is it hard work is it just answering a need when no one else was touching it what 
What would you say it is? I would love to think it's because I'm a charismatic founder. Um, but no, I think <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think it's because I'm, I'm an empathetic founder. Um, you know, I care deeply about other people, whether that's the homeless community or our employees. I mean, we are constantly ranked as one of the best places to work in seven years. We've only had seven people leave the company and I thrive on making other people happy. That I think is probably my secret sauce, right? Is, you know, I'm a big believer of Simon Sinek's, you know, leaders eat last. So, you know, there was a lot of opportunities where I forego opportunities to raise my own salary if that meant I could give, you know, an incremental pay raise to another employee who I thought was working incredibly hard, or if it meant that I could hire a new person to, you know, expand the business. And I've always said that, you know, in times like, coronavirus that before I would lay off a single employee, I would give up 100% of my salary. Why should somebody else suffer if I'm the leader of the organization? That's been probably a big part of my personal secret sauce is it's just a high degree of empathy and, and remembering that whether it's somebody in the homeless community or whether it's an employee or whether it's a customer, and we have 100% customer happiness guaranteed. You know, if you said you didn't like the color of the packaging, we would replace your socks or give you a full refund. I just want to make other people happy. And that I think has been a very large driver for us. Well, Dave, thank you so much for sharing how you can build a really successful business and generate really meaningful impact. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Lead with We where I spoke with Dave Heath, the co-founder and CEO of Bombas, who shared with us exactly how you can build a high-growth company by addressing a systemic issue like homelessness, and how, like Tom's and Warby Parker before them, the depth of your commitment to your mission can build a cult following for your brand, so much so that you can cut through the clutter and noise of other purposeful companies talking about the good work they're doing. You can subscribe to Lead With We on Apple, Google, or Spotify. And please do recommend it to your friends and colleagues so they too can become a purposeful and profitable business. If you'd like to learn more about how you can build a purposeful brand, check out wefirstbranding.com where we have lots of free resources and case studies. See you on the next episode of Lead With We.